Welcome to the next message from Encounter Church. For more information about our church, visit us online at EncounterPGH.com. Thanks for listening, and enjoy the message. Because um, we started a series last week called Greater Reward. And this is really about this idea of what God has for us what he wants for our lives. And, and then we look at our own lives and we see the things that, you know, we would not say is the best, you know, the struggles that we have, the frustrations, the things that we don't want to do, our habits, um, the things that God's calling us toward, but we can't seem to get there. And so today's message is entitled, why can't I change? <laughs> why can't I change? Um, have you ever wondered why you want to change, but you don't, you know, maybe, maybe you feel like there are habits that you're into that you can't get out of. You can't break out of ways of thinking that you can't seem to overcome. Why do I keep returning to the same bad habits or bad patterns? Today, we're going to talk a lot about it. We're going to examine a a powerful, um, aspect or a powerful scripture passage that I believe has the power to really change our lives, change our mindsets, but we have to allow it to do that. And this is not a cliche. It's probably a cliched statement, but it's not a cliche is that when we read God's word, we have to allow it to read us. If we come to God's word, to this, to scripture from a perspective of, I'm just reading something for knowledge. It's not enough. The Bible says that the word of God is living and active, and it has the ability to cut through like sinew sinew and tendon. It is sharper than a double-edged sword, meaning it can cut to the the truth of the matter, and it can, can free us from the bondage of ways of thinking, of spiritual oppression, from all kinds of things that we cannot do on our own, but we must go into it, into messages like this, or into teachings, or into our own reading time, with the heart that God's word is true. And if we apply it to our lives, it will have the outcome that it speaks. Now, if we've lived long enough, you'll recognize that things like new year's resolutions, they just really don't work. (laughs) And we see that they're similar from year to year. We talked a lot about this last week, right? We try really, 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 really hard. We succeed for a few days or for a few weeks, but then we kind of fall backwards into them. There's a statistic out there that says that 80% of New Year's resolutions fail by the second week of February. So if you got into November or sorry, into February and Valentine's Day, and you were still doing your New Year's resolution, at least in some capacity, you are in the top percentile of people who have been able to make some change in their life. But the reality is, I would ask you is that we are now in May. How many of us are still going strong in our New Year's resolutions? We maybe want to stop overeating or smoking or overspending or looking at pornography or um, whatever it might be, and we're falling back into that. Maybe there's things we wanted to start, right? I want to start reading my Bible daily. I want to start praying more often, having meaningful prayer time. I want to start working out. I want to get myself on a budget. I want to study more often, you know, Um, whatever that might be. And, and, and I started off strong, but now I'm drifting away from those. You recognize those patterns in your lives? Maybe not this year. Maybe it's been in years past. Maybe you're, you, you can recognize those patterns. I think all of us, it's been true for all of us. You, um, you know, 
we try really hard, like we talked about this last week and the willpower, but then eventually it breaks. And then, and then, you know, I, I want to get my money right. I'm saving my money, but I'm tired of trying. And so then instead I go shopping, right? <laughs> like this is kind of how, how the patterns that we work into, you know, what's right. You want to do what's right. You know what God is calling me to, but I also at the same time know what's not good. I know what's not right. I know what's wrong, what's bad for me. And yet I sort of want to do those things too. And so today's message is why can't I change? Why is it that no matter how hard I try, I can't get past those things? Why is it that I, you know, and some of us are good at working out, but not good at, at, at stopping the eating problem. Or some of us are really good with our finances, but can't get our health in check. Like it's not the same for every one of us. Some things we are good at, other things willpower is just not enough. What is it? Why can't we? And here's the truth that I want to give to you guys today, okay? With God's help, we will choose what we want most over what we want now. We talked about that last week, right? Discipline is choosing what we want most over what we want now. But the problem is, is I can have all the discipline in the world, all the willpower in the world. I still can't do that. How do I do it? With God's help, we will choose what we want most over what we want now. Pray with me. God, that's our prayer today. Open our minds, open our hearts to hear your truth so that we can choose what we want most, what you have for us over what we want now. Show us how to do that through the power of your word and through your Holy Spirit working at, at work in us. In Jesus's name, amen. I want to open your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 9. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, this is a powerful passage of scripture where the Apostle Paul, who we talked about, wrote a third of the New Testament, is talking about what it takes in order to, to, to get the prize that God has for us. If you want to know, how do I do this with God's help? How do, I, how do I achieve what I want most over what I want right now? This passage of scripture is going to teach us and give us the tools to do that. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, we're going to be reading verses 24 to 27, reading out of the New Living translation because it has a really great uh, phrase to it, a way that it, the way that it kind of describes it to us. Let's read that together here. I'm going to read it out loud. It says, don't you realize that in a race, everyone runs, but only one person gets the prize. We get that, right? In the Olympics, there's only one gold medal. There's only one person who wins uh, a, a race, who wins a game. Don't you realize that in the race, everybody runs, but only one person gets the prize. So what should you do? Run to win. Run to win. All athletes, he goes on to say, are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away. But we do it for an eternal prize. There's something greater out there. So I run with every purpose. I run with purpose in every step. I'm not just shadow boxing. I'm not just pretending. And this is not a game. This is a real thing. I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what I should. Now, Paul, his audience that he was writing to would have clearly understood this competitive metaphor. Um, the city of Corinth is in Greece, okay? He was writing to the people of Corinth. Um, I'm actually the only one on the call, I believe, who has been there. Uh, Kylie and Scott have also been there because we took a missions trip um, a few years ago. Has anybody else on the call been to Greece? Anybody else? Okay, no. All right. 
that's what I thought. So um, we took a missions trip a few years ago to 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 Athens, Greece, to uh, minister with our missionary friends, uh, Aaron and Susie Hoover. And we took a trip to ancient Corinth. And it was really cool to see a city, to actually stand in a space where the Apostle Paul would have spoken, would have, would have talked to church members and would have, um, you know, and you could see the things that he's saying. Now, the city of Corinth um, would have understood the concept of this competitive metaphor because every four years in Greece, they would hold the Olympics. The Olympic Games started in Greece. We have the Olympics coming up this summer and it's in Tokyo, but it used to be every year always in Greece, okay? And so the people there would very much understand the concept of competitive nature and a race. They would have got it. But even more specifically, in the city of Corinth itself, they had a local competition there called the Isthmian Games. It was a local competition called the Ith-I-S-T, Ithsmian Games. They had things like chariot races and uh, boxing competitions and wrestling competitions. And they even had poetry contests. Can you imagine that? Like the poetry being an Olympic sport? I think that maybe maybe some individuals in our in our uh, church gathering here would be uh, could compete for a gold medal in in poetry. Uh, you know, esports is being added. Maybe I could get in into that space. But uh, but you know, but they would have understood this competitive metaphor of running a race to win it. And so he speaks to them from this perspective of of where they would get this understanding, right? And he says in verse twenty four, "Don't you realize?" That in a race, you everybody runs, but only one person, only one person can win the race. So your job is to run it, to win, to win. You know, as Christians, we tend to, to actually have this tendency to feel like that our job is not to win. You know, we think about like we should be humble people. We think about that we should let other people go before us. Jesus talked a lot about being a servant. So it's hard for us necessarily. We don't have a lot of language, competitive language in our Christian faith, right? But Paul here is setting the tone for what it means to live the Christian life. He's talking to people who understood competition, who understood the concept of training, of discipline, and with the drive to accomplish something. And he tells them to run to win. He didn't say run to finish, right? He says everybody runs. He didn't say run to finish the race. He didn't say run to place. Maybe you'll get third place. Like he wasn't, he didn't say that. His words were clear, run to win the race. I'd like to look at two other theologians of our time who also talk very similarly. The first is the great theologian, Ricky Bobby. Uh, What did he say? If you ain't first, you're what? You're last, right? Some great wise words there from Talladega Nights, Ricky Bobby. But the Greek philosopher, uh, his name is Epictetus. Epictetus said this, this is, he was talking about how seriously the Greeks took their games. And Paul was drawing upon this concept. He says, if you withdraw from a race without sufficient reason, you will be whipped. (laughs) Okay. And this whipping comes after your training, which involves thirst and broiling heat and swallowing handfuls of sand. That was their training. Like they were whipping their bodies into shape. They would, they would, they would uh, train themselves in brutal cold and in intense heat. Apparently it involved eating sand. 
as part of their training regimen, okay? And it was so serious that if you entered into the race and you didn't have a sufficient reason to drop out of it, you would be whipped. And from that perspective, Paul says, run to win. Run to win. We've been given in scripture a number of um, commands, right? From that we see throughout scripture that are pretty big tasks and we're given responsibility to do it successfully. If you look all the way back into the garden of Eden, we see uh, when God gave the initial command, right? To be, to fill the earth, right? In the garden, to be fruitful and multiply, to fill the earth and to subdue it, right? This was a command that was given to, to humanity was to, to take care. Of okay. We're back. Seems like once a week this happens, it freezes up. And we're commanded to, to take care of God's creation and to do it in such a way as though it says to fill it and subdue it. Subdue it as in be its master, to, to till it, but to be overtaking it. There's this parable that Jesus talks about with the parable of the talents, right? Where a master uh, gives uh, employees of his um, money and he says, take this, right? And I'm going to leave it in your care. And there are three of them. One of them goes and invests it and receives a, a great reward, a great investment back. Like he reaps from that. The second guy takes it, invests it in other types of activities, uses it and gets a reward back and multiplies it as well. One of them, however, doesn't do anything with it. He takes the money that's given to him, goes and hides it, buries it, puts it under the mattress in their bedroom, doesn't do anything with it and then and, and leaves it and you know gets no growth out of it. The master comes back and says, let me see what you have done with what I have given you, right? And so he sees that the individuals who had invested it, who have taken the talents they were given and invest them and received reward and multiplied and growed it and given it back to the master, they're rewarded. Well done, my faithful servant. I'm proud of you. And he turns to the one who didn't do anything and says, what did you do? And he says, well, I didn't do anything. I, I, I hid it. I was worried that if I lost it, that I, you know, that you would be mad at me. So I didn't do anything with it. Here's what you have back. So, so at least you have it. And he was angry and he was cast out of it. You see, like what we're seeing here is that there are parts of scripture that talk about this concept of there are things that we have that God wants for us and we can't go about it with a haphazardness. There has to be an effort and we have to be willing to do what it takes in order to get to that space. God even said, go into all the world, right? Go into all the world and preach the gospel and teach them to obey. He didn't say, go on to, into all the world and sleep in or to be mediocre or to, to, to go for the participation trophy. Go to all the world. Like to do it, there are things that God has for us. So he says, run to win. And so my question for us today, myself included, is why aren't we winning? Do you look at your life as though you're winning it? Do you look at your circumstances? Do you look at your habits? Are you winning? Are you achieving your goals? Are you making progress in the areas of struggle? And here's why. If the answer to that is no, I believe this is true. It's because you have been trying for too long. You have been trying for too long. I'll talk about another great theologian. His name is Yoda in Star Wars. One of my favorite lines that's always been so inspiring to me is when, when, when Yoda is, is teaching Luke in Return of the Jedi to, to use the Force, 
And he's trying to help him understand the power of the force. And he is going to raise this X-Wing fighter pilot out of the swamp, right? And he's telling telling Luke to do it. And Luke kind of gets there and he's trying and it lifts a little bit out of the water. And then it just, and you can see Luke straining his face and he's sweating and he's trying everything he can to do it. And then it just, ugh, and he lets go and it drops down and he looks and he turns to him and he says, I can't do it. I just can't. It's impossible. He says, I can't. And Yoda, right? He says, he says, you will do or you will do not. There is no try. Do or do not. There is no try. And what does Luke say to him? He says, I don't believe it. So, so Yoda turns and he just calmly raises his hand like little Yoda, his little green ears moving. And he just slowly, calmly, not straining. There's no like willpower in it. And the the X-Wing rises out of the water and he moves it over and it lands it gently onto the the ground. And Luke's jaw drops and he turns to Yoda and he goes, I don't believe it. And Yoda looks at him and says, and that is why you fail. And that always stood out to me because I love Star Wars, but I love it as a metaphor for our faith. As Christians, we are told to walk in step with the Spirit of God, right? We talked about last week, walk by the Spirit, not by my willpower, not by my trying, but by the Spirit, the Spirit of God, the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead is resurrecting you and I. The same power that God, that Jesus used to heal the sick, right? The same power that Jesus used to speak prophetically operates inside of you and I and gives us the power, not through my desire or my effort or through my power of my own or my own willpower, but through the spirit of God. And so we look at ourselves, right? And we say, why can't I overcome these things? It's impossible for me. It's because we're trying too hard. We try to quit smoking. We try to start praying. We try to stop cussing. I try to stop getting so angry. I try to be loving more. I try to stop worrying. I try to stop being sad. I try to get in better shape. All of these different things I'm trying. And the problem is we try too hard and we need to stop trying and we need to start training. We need to stop trying and we need to start training. And here's what I would say to you is that trying never achieves consistent results. Trying never achieves consistent results, but training does. Trying is an attempt to change, an attempt to change with like a minimal commitment, okay? Often trying is a half-hearted attempt. I'm going to try to read my Bible, but, you know, I woke up a little bit late today, so I didn't really get to it. I'm going to try to be nice. But then that person, you know, said something mean to me. And so I stopped being nice. I'm going to try to not order that dessert. But then they brought out the tray and they said, hey, do you want to order this? And I said, you know what? I think I do. Right. Trying gives me plenty of room to fail. Right. I'm just going to try. Let me see what happens if I just show up. Right. Trying is an attempt to change with a minimal commitment. But what is training? Training is a wholehearted commitment to achieve a specific result. Training is, is, is important for us to know the difference between trying and training. When you're trying, you're showing up. You're hoping that you're going to get the result because I'm just doing my best, right? I'm just, I'm just doing, I'm doing my best. 
But training is something else. You develop a game plan. You develop a strategy. It's like the eye of the tiger in Rocky, right? Like, it's like, I'm going to put a plan into place and I'm going to have somebody there who's going to help me. He's going to teach me. And they're going to say, what the heck are you doing? That's not what you're supposed to be doing. They're going to slap you in the face. They're going to get you up. If you're not in the training, like like that, uh, the, the Greek philosopher said, we're going to whip you. We let you know that there are consequences when you don't do the thing you're supposed to do. Training is making sure that you're going to get somewhere to achieve a specific result. Whereas trying is not really putting in a plan into place. And I'll tell you, I am so guilty of trying to be a good Christian. Let me tell you, I am, I have been guilty so much of my life of trying to read the Bible more, trying to be a guy of prayer more, trying to eat better, trying to, and I want to tell you something. The only way that I have lost as much weight as I have is I have trained myself over the last year to be on a certain habitual process. I've trained myself. I put steps into place. I built in things into my life. You want to know how I stopped looking at pornography and being dominated by lust in my life? And this is probably making some people uncomfortable to hear their pastor share these things with you. But I'm telling you, I used to be dominated by it. I was failing miserably as a married man. I, I, I'm ashamed to admit it. But I had to put training into place and I put guardrails and boundaries in my life that prevented me from moving into spaces that I wouldn't be able to to do those things. I made the choice. I started telling myself like to, to teach my mind that I was a different person. I started praying and asking God for it. I spent more time in the presence of God, which gave me strength. The spirit of God gave me the strength to be able to change in the everyday little moments so that when I was alone, I had developed the muscles of spiritual strength to be able to, to be able to overcome when I'm alone. I made a plan to do it. I attacked the problem. I had a specific problem. I asked God for help and I put a plan of training into place. It doesn't mean that all of a sudden, like now here I am number of years later that I've overcome it, that I'm not still um, susceptible to that. A runner who runs a marathon, right? They can train themselves to be able to do that, to say no to the food that they shouldn't be eating, right? To, to get up in the morning and to, to have a, a running regimen and to do all those things. Five years later, after they've accomplished their marathon and won their race, if they stop doing those things, they're probably going to gain weight again. That person's not going to be getting up early. If you, It's not like it's a something a one and done. It's the discipline of teaching yourself to train something. It is a wholehearted commitment to achieve a specific results. When you're trying, we give up if it's too hard or if things get in the way or if I don't feel like it. When you're training, you don't act according to your feelings. You act according to your commitment. So verse 25 goes on to say, everyone who competes in the games goes into what? Strict training. The word there is, I'm going to butcher this, (laughs) agona Agon, agonizomai, agonizomai. It, the word comes from where we get the word agony. Okay, let's just say that. So the word for strict training, here is the word, the Greek word that we get strict training from. It means to contend for victory and to strain every nerve toward the goal. So when he says everyone who competes in the game goes into strict training, right? These Olympic guys... The Olympic Games, if every four years would come along, they would go through an intense 
10-month intentional training regimen. They had a strict diet. They would drink no wine. They would have no junk food. Like I said earlier, they would expose themselves to extreme cold and extreme heat, and they would eat sand. All of it was designed to, to reduce their body's uh, like effect of, of, of suffering, the agony, the, the, the directing every single nerve toward the goal. Now, can you imagine an athlete showing up to complete a marathon? One guy, you know, two guys at the starting line, right? We're about to run 26.2 miles. You're about to do it. And the one guy is looking fit. He's, he's, he's lean, right? He's got the right clothes on. You know, he's ready. He's bouncing. He's excited. And he looks over to the guy next to him. And he just looks kind of like me, right? Just kind of like flabby dude. You know, maybe a little overweight. You know, like I talk too much and I get winded by walking up the stairs, Hey man, you ready for this marathon? Yeah, I'm ready. What what have you been doing to train and get ready? Oh, you know, not much. I mean, I watched some YouTube videos. Um, I took a walk around the block and uh, I bought some shoes. You know, I heard it's a long way, you know, to, to go 26 miles. So got some padding. Can you imagine the insanity of that? Like who shows up to run a marathon and hasn't trained at all, hasn't done anything, but I'm going to try really hard to make it. Do you think that that guy is, is, is like committed to it, right? When you are an athlete, when you are a competitor, when you're fighting for something that matters, when you're fighting for a vision or a goal or a dream that God has put in your heart or an assignment that's been given to you, the whole idea here is to train for it not to try for, but we don't oftentimes look at our lives as though it is a calling or it is a vision for the future, right? We don't look at our health uh, and our eating habits from that perspective. And so we try instead of train. So my question for us today is how do we train to be the people that God wants us to be? Even in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7, he tells his, his spiritual son, Train yourself to be godly. Train yourself to be godly. As Christians, are you training? Am I training to be a godly person or am I trying to be? What do I do? How do I train? What is training? Here's what I would say. Let's break it down to like it's it's sort of like easiest thing. And I'm preaching very much to myself because there are areas of my own life where I'm trying and not training. And here's what I would say. Write this down. Training is doing what I can do today to enable me to do even more tomorrow. Let's, I mean, if you just start there, right? If I want what God has for me, right? I want to be able to run the marathon. Waking up tomorrow, chances are very low you'll be able to make that. I want to be financially stable in my life. I want to be a saver. I want to be less angry. I don't want to have a temper. I don't want to look at pornography anymore. I don't want to feel the guilt and the shame of that. I don't want to hurt my loved ones anymore. How do I do that? Training is doing what I can do today to enable me to do even more tomorrow. If you want to run a marathon today, maybe start walking a mile today. 
If I want to get out of debt by next month, is that something that I could do? Probably not. But you can instead bring your coffee to work instead of going to Starbucks. Can you be a spiritual powerhouse by noon today? Probably not. But you can open your Bible app and start reading God's word on a regular basis. Just, just, just start reading. Start meditating on God's word. Right? I can't do everything in one day or even in one week or one month. I can't get to the the place that we often feel like. And then we beat ourselves up into that cycle of shame that we talked about last week. But you can start today. Training is doing what I can do today to enable me to do even more tomorrow. And the intention of that. And long before you look back, you're going to see a month from now, look at that. Like a month from now. I've been, wow, like I've been reading my Bible like 20 times this month. If I counted last month, maybe once. You see what I'm saying? When you put a training plan into place. So 1 Corinthians 9, back to our passage, verse 26 and 27. What does he say? So I run with purpose in every step. In every step, right? He's. This is what we talked about last week, walking by the Spirit, walking by the Spirit, like, like every step. It's not, it's not just the when the big thing comes, God help me. It's like the every moment, training myself, teaching myself. I'm not just shadow boxing, he says. I'm not just pretending. I recognize that the life that I am living right now is the race, like what I do today, my work in the lab, my work as a recruiter, you know, my, 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 my commute to work, those things are the race. My relationship with my mom, my relationship with my kids, the relationship with God, that is the race. I'm not just shadow boxing, he says, and I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should. He disciplines his body like an athlete. This is talking about identity here. He's saying, I am the athlete in the race. I am a child of God. I am not an unfaithful person. I am not a a lustful person. I am not a depressed person. I am not these things. That is not who I am. Jesus says, I am his child. Jesus says, you are an overcomer. Jesus says that you are strong in him. Those are the things that make up our identity. And the thing is, is that oftentimes we live in our our false identities and our old identities. And when we start commanding ourselves, like the, like I talk about all the time with, with, um, with, with the psalmist, he'll command his soul. He reminds himself of who he is. He says, bless the Lord. Oh, my soul. I don't feel like it today, but do it anyway, because you're disciplined in knowing who God is and who he calls you to be. I don't feel like getting up at six o'clock in the morning to go on the run. I don't feel like getting up to read my Bible. I don't feel like doing these things, but I command myself to do it because I am a child of God. I want to go to Starbucks today, but no, I am a steward of God's money. Like talking to ourselves when I am trying, I'm hoping to become something that I'm not. When I'm trying, I'm hoping to become something that I'm not. But when I'm training, I'm getting better at what I already am. Jesus says you are already the person that he has wanted you to be. Our trying now is the God, the goal here is to unlock our habits and our behaviors and our mindsets to be in line with what he already says 
We are. When I'm training, I am getting better at what I already am. So now instead we say things like, I'm not trying to have a better marriage. I already have a great marriage. I'm in training. I'm in a good marriage in training. I'm not trying to be a better parent. I'm a godly parent. That's what I am. I am a godly parent because of Jesus Christ. So what I am, I, I am a godly parent in training. I'm not trying to avoid the hookups. I'm not trying to, to, you know, to not look at porn. I am an ambassador of Christ in my relationships. I am that way. And so I am in training. I am a, not a, a financial failure. I am not a person who will always be stuck in debt. No. What am I? I am a financial steward of God's gift of money in training. It's our mindset. What does he say? We already read it here. He says in verse 26 and 27, I run with every purpose and every step. I discipline my body, training it to do what I should like an athlete. I'm identifying with the, with the, what I've called to be. I am not trying. I am training. Training isn't a hopeful experiment. It's a devoted commitment that is driven by a deeper why. What am I searching for, right? I'm saying yes to what I want most over what I want now. With God's help, I can attain what I want most over what I want now. And so what I want for each of us is to look at the areas of our lives that we feel like we fail, the areas that, that there is more for us, that God wants more for us. It can be really hard for us as we kind of close up here to look at other people who seem like they have their act together. And I promise you, not everyone has their act together completely. It's not, it's just not that case. Um, you know, I try to preach from the areas that I have strength in. Sometimes I preach from areas that I, that I um, have, have a desire to grow in. And so I try really hard to be open and transparent before you guys to see that it's a work in progress. And I hope that you do see that from my life, that there are areas where I have made incredible progress and I have overcome through the power of God living in my life. And yet there are still spaces that I struggle with. And so we're all in this together. But if you're like me and you're tired of failing in certain areas, we're not talking about self-help. We're not talking about um, self-control. We're not talking about willpower. We're not talking about mind over matter. We're talking about a partnership with our creator. The partnership with the one who has says, you are my son. You are my daughter. I love you. I created you for more. There is more for you. It breaks my heart to see you doing these things. It's, it breaks my heart to see you stuck in this trap over and over again. There's a better way for you. Are you committed to getting to what I want for you? Are you committed to it? Do you know what it will take? Are you willing to try to, to set a plan out in place? Are you willing to partner with me? What are the areas of your life? What are the, the areas in, in your heart that the, the habits, the areas of struggle, the areas of identity that God is calling you to something else? Are you going to stop trying or are you going to start training? Would you pray with me? God, our desire is to be the people that you have called us to be. I pray that your words here today will, will challenge us like the runners in Corinth and in Greece and the Olympic Games, that they took it so seriously, the competition, that they put themselves into a training regimen 
to accomplish the goal that was set out for them. And we see that the Apostle Paul directly speaks to those people and says, run your race of faith to win. God, for some of us, myself included, we have failed in certain areas of our lives for so long that the concept of winning is not even on our radar. Would you remind us of that, that you've called us to something greater? We like to sing songs like, I'm no longer a slave to fear. We see, you know, passages of scriptures who are no longer slaves to sin. But sometimes the reality is that we really are still. Either willingly because we don't know it or by our choices and our actions. And yet you have set us free. You have opened the prison door. You have unlocked the chains. And you're just saying, throw them down and come with me. Would you remind us of who we are? We are your children. We are overcomers. The power that is in us is greater than the power that is in this world. And from that space, would you show us the areas of our lives where we've been trying kind of half-heartedly, hoping that things would change? And instead, would you show us, give us the, the desire, the courage through your spirit to start putting steps into place, to train to become the man and woman that you called us to be. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. If you call Encounter Church Home, or if you'd like to partner with us to support the work that God is doing here, you can take advantage of our online giving option. Just go to EncounterGiving.com. Also, stay up to date with us throughout the week by following us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at EncounterPGH. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.